It isn't that your hope for a degree, a desire for a better car, a hope for a ring on your finger, a yearning for a moment in time when you don't have stress and bills and pain, a yearning for those things are not in and of themselves bad. They're just not enough. And they don't truly fulfill. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Praxis. Man, it is so good to be up here with you. I have been out of the preaching pulpit space for three months. Can you believe that? Three months? I haven't, I haven't, you know, like, I don't really. For me, that's a big deal. But I just want to tell a big thank you to our Praxis elders. They did an amazing job with that last series, didn't they? Such a good job. I really believe in them. Give them a round, man. So, so wonderful. I really believe in the power of young adults stepping into a space of such incredible importance as a pulpit. Many people don't realize how important preaching is to the shaping of our walk with Jesus. A lot of times what a pastor says, some people believe is law. And sometimes we neglect reading the word, but we will listen to the word through a pastor as they spend time and preparation and a prayer. And so our Praxis leadership really did that. They spent time in prayer and preparation, and they really gave of their heart. And so a big thank you to them. Over the last three months, I was working on my dissertation. And by God's grace, I'm going to finish my doctorate dissertation by January, if all goes well. So huge deal. I am so excited to also tell you about my dissertation at some point. It's about thriving churches within Adventism with youth and young adults and what these churches represent and what they possess and why I believe Praxis is actually an exemplary church in possessing some of these great qualities. But tonight, I want to do something really important with you in preaching. And so I want to just prepare your heart for what is to come and what I believe God has for us in the last sermon of this year. This is technically a Christmas series, Jesus is Better. And as we end this year here together, I want to share something that is just really dear to my heart that's been more real to me than anything else. And so uh, would you bow your heads with me right now? Jesus, thank you so much for your mercies that refresh us. Tonight, God, we're praying for your mercy to fall upon every single one of us. Jesus, you know us individually. You know us by name. You know the worries we bring into this moment, the anxieties, the stresses, the joys, the hopes, the fears, that which will come and that which passed us. And so, God, in this moment, God, would you speak into this time? 
that we are spending with you in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if any of you have ever seen someone drowning in front of you. I don't know if you've ever actually drowned yourself and had that experience of suffocating under the water. There I was as a 12-year-old boy in the cornfield state of Ohio, living in a place that I look back upon really fondly. There I was at our apartment complex pool, the gathering watering hole of all the young boys and the young girls. And I happened to be trying to make a little impression on a girl that I liked. We'd play basketball together and there I was chit-chatting with her on the fence. And there a little boy of seven or eight years old happens to jump into the deep end of the pool. I made nothing of it until I saw him flailing his arms. Clearly, this little guy couldn't actually swim. And so I casually and calmly looked at the girl. And I said, he's drowning. Oh, my goodness. Jump in there, someone. No one jumping in. And I thought to myself as I winked at her, I'm going in, girl. And I jumped into the pool. Now, fast forward six years into the future. I'm 18 years old doing my lifeguard certification at Camp Myvedon there in Idaho. And I learned there the correct way to actually save someone from drowning. You go behind them, put one arm underneath and around their neck, and you swim them back to wherever they need to go to safety. Now go back in time, 12-year-old me who didn't understand this. I grabbed the little guy from the front. As they told me in the certification class into the future, when, they, when you try and save someone from the front, they are in such a stricken panic that they actually will grab on you and sometimes try to even climb on top of you, pushing you down under the water, and now you're the one drowning. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. This little seven-year-old punk decides in his moment of trying to save himself, I don't care who you are, I'm going to be the one to survive this. And he gets on top of me, pushing me under the water while realizing I can't float. He lets go. I was under the water looking up and thinking my life is over. Finally, I get up to the surface and I start yanking him to the side of the pool. I just grabbed one of his hands and that I found to be the only technique to get him to the side of the pool. His mom freaked out. And as I was climbing out of the pool, she was holding him, realizing, my goodness, I could have lost my boy. I go over to kind of check on him and see how he's doing, wink at that girl, just see what I did. <laughs> Definitely got some points after that. But you see, this naive little child of six, seven, eight years old, and me, a naive 12-year-old, not understanding how to save someone, not understanding the sheer power of the water, the enormity of what it possesses to the one who doesn't understand what you're in. I'm going to make an abrupt shift that seems strange, but we enter into a Christmas season in which we look at the reality of what is. Christmas trees and lights, presents, warm sweaters, 
fires and the consideration of those less fortunate than us. Food, family in town, and if you're in SoCal, you might find some snow somewhere. But the reality is, though, that sometimes all these things seem to drown out the real reason for the season. Sometimes also looking beyond just this season, the enormity, the weight of what we're feeling and we're in right now seems to be drowning us. Whether it be in the moment of your mental health crisis, whether it's the anxiety of what is to come in the uncertainty of the present, whether it's the lack of what you yearn for, whether it's a padded bank account that you don't have, a ring on your finger, a diploma that you feel like will never be there, or that thing that you've been desiring and it can't come yet. And you begin to sacrifice everything for that one thing. And we sacrifice not only everything for that one thing, we also, in the midst of our sacrifice, don't understand how to cope. Cope in our drowning for that one thing. And so we fall privy to the culture of distraction. Our cell phones are touched almost some up to 6,000 times in a day. You're like, what? Find a good app and you'll be on it like all the time. I had to delete Robin Hood, I'm just telling you. You know, Gus, you know what I'm saying? Going to the moon. And you realize that we don't understand how to cope with the stresses of what are amongst us, and we drown out the real thing that all of this is about. The real reason for Christmas, the real reason for this holiday is remembering the Savior who came. Remembering a God who, in his vulnerability as a baby, left everything for you and me. Remembering in this moment that unlike any other God spoken in history or a venerated deity of religions now, Jesus became less for our sake leaving it all behind, leaving every desire you could think of for the greatest desire Jesus could ever think of. You. 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 I don't know if I could leave being a king, having every ease and comfort provided for me to help some small and significant person and become exactly like them and leave it all behind, not knowing if I'd ever have that back. He sacrificed at that level. I want you to talk to the people next to you. If you hypothetically were the king or queen of a nation where you had everything, could you leave it? Not knowing if you would ever have it back, the title, the crown, could you leave it to be like the common folk around you? Talk to the people around you just for a couple seconds about that, would you? Do that right now. Those of you online, do that as well. Could you leave everything behind? Could you do that? Could you be a king and queen and just say, you know what? I want to help these people.
Well, hopefully there are a couple of you here who are maybe a little bit more altruistic and helpful. And through this process, you might discover that there are actually some people that you're like, dude, you're really selfish. Or the reality is that would just be a huge and enormous sacrifice. As I think of Jesus when he came, I also think of something else. I think of the fact of him then, but also of what will be when he comes back. He came once. And when he was born, friends, I imagine there were trumpets. I imagine there were angels blowing these trumpets and sound emerging when the angels stopped and were awestruck by the light and I believe the sound of trumpets. It must have been incredible. But I also think of trumpets at the end. I think of trumpets when Jesus comes. What does the scripture say when Paul says, and when the trump sounds, the trumpet, not trump, let's be sure. <laughs> that word feels like it's, anyways, well, hear that in song, anyway, okay, okay, okay. I thought of my brother, he's a good trumpet player. Mom, my nephew is playing the trumpet too. But I think of also trumpets when Jesus is coming again. The apostle John in his final act of the Bible, there in the book of Revelation, talks about seven trumpets that will be sounded. One beginning with the first century Christians, as some scholars believe that each of the trumpets talks about an era of Christianity. And then ending with the last seventh trumpet when it's sounded is the beginning of Jesus literally coming to the earth. The final thing, he's on his way in that moment, Jesus here. But before that seventh trumpet is sounded, there's a fifth trumpet that's sounded when God's people are sealed, and then there is the sixth trumpet, this era that we just might be in, before the end of it all, before, as the book of Revelation talks about, the great war of Armageddon. Now, while this doesn't seem very Christmassy, and some are like, gosh, this was a real big Debbie Downer. Where did we go? <laughs> this might just be more impactful than you think. You see, trumpets in the Old Testament were a sign and a symbol to God's people of incredible things to come and danger that might appear. Trumpets were sounded by the priests every time the ceremonies would begin. Trumpets were given as a divine appointment for God's people to think and to remember. Trumpets were used right before battles begun. Trumpets were used as a warning sign so the people of God might be prepared. Trumpets. So I want you to hear what this trumpet tonight might sound in your life. As a priest of God's people, a pastor, I want to blow this trumpet as a warning to you tonight. In our last sermon of the year, to hear what God might have to say to you. And so turn with me to Revelation chapter nine, going through just some verses there in this sixth trumpet that's blown. Beginning in verse 13, 
there in Revelation chapter 9. Listen to what the text says here. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is right there before God. It said in the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept for this very hour and this day and year were released to kill. Whoa. Let's just break this down just for a moment. You see here that it says that the angel is blowing the trumpet and then a releasing occurs of these almost demonic angels who go out to kill. The Bible says there is a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8, who is looking to whom he may devour and kill. If you think that Satan doesn't exist, my friend, I don't know if you've ever experienced trouble in your life that you're just confused how does this keep happening? How does this occur? How does this illness, how does this natural disaster, how does you put in the thing? It's because there is Satan who is yearning to destroy. And now in this moment, we see God's passive permission of evil demonic powers to be released. Do you realize that God is literally withholding evil from encrouching you at every moment? Do you understand that God is holding back the waves and the torrent of the evil waters that want to destroy you and drown you? Do you understand that God holds it back? But there will come a time. The fifth trumpet was a trumpet that was given to protect God's people, to seal them from the sixth trumpet. Because this sixth trumpet now announces something sinister and terrible to come before Jesus comes to the earth. It is the trumpet sound of those who will feel the wrath of their own demonic demise because they did not choose to bend their knee to the king and savior who yearns for them. You see, these demons are released. You think the powers of evil would be on your side if you choose to reject Christ. No, 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 no. Evil destroys itself and yearns to do that in your life. Here we also catch the reality that they were on the other side of the Euphrates. In the Old Testament, the Euphrates was the boundary line become between the promised land and God's enemies. They are sitting there on the boundary line ready to go in. If you ever watch a penalty in the World Cup, the guys have to stand behind the boundary line. As soon as that ball is kicked, we're going. As soon as God gives his permission, evil enters. And you wonder, why, God, why? Why would you allow it, ever? Because the end must play itself out to show the true magnanimous love of a God who would leave absolutely everything royal and kingly and comfort and pleasure for you, for me, 
and he gives absolutely everybody the opportunity to choose him. And here in this sixth trumpet, we hear this last thing now in this moment, in this verse, that God has appointed a time, a day, a week, and a month and year when this will occur. You see, God controls the moment when this will happen. And so we're left with wondering, well, what what is about to happen? The text tells us that literally a third of humanity is just wiped away like that, killed. Another third experiences plagues and vulnerabilities that are so dire that they wipe them out as well. Oh, this is not very Christmassy, Pastor. But what happens to the last third? Look at this with me now in verse 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that could not hear, see, or walk, a reference back to the Old Testament. When the people of God fell privy to the work of idols right there at Sinai, bowing down to a calf, wood, stone, and gold. And there it goes on. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, and their thefts. The last people are a people who choose to reject God and do not repent of following the idols of the age. I'll tell you, I I was dangerously addicted. When I say the app of Robin Hood seemed to engulf me, I, I mean it. There were months when I would open it up literally probably 50 to 100 times. Did it go up? Did it go down? What happened? Can I buy this? Can I buy that? Lord, I would love to please God help me get something to the moon, Lord. So this pastor can pay off these stinking loans. The idols of this age do not yearn for you just to enjoy them a bit, but to be engulfed by their power and desire and hope so that you might experience not joy eternal, but chains forevermore that you would get to a point where you wouldn't be able to say, Lord, I repent of these things and do not, not only yearn for them, but I wish they would never have existed because where I am, I don't even know if I can get away from it. Have you ever been in a toxic relationship? You didn't know how to end? Have you ever been in a situation where you were just yearning for a, a job? Just please, God, please, God, I'll do anything. I'll work on the Sabbath. I, Have you ever been yearning for something so bad that you chose to steal for it? I don't know how many of you ever had quick hands, but I did as a kid. I yearned for something so much, I'd just rather take it than ask for it or buy it. I don't know how many of you ever cheated in some way and you wondered, God, I really want this so bad. I don't know what you've done behind a computer when no one's watching or a screen on your phone. When you yearn for a desire that seems to engulf you and then you found yourself in darkness. 
The last third are a people who defy God and choose not to repent. But I want to tell you this one and such important reality. Jesus is better than. Jesus is better than. Jesus is better than what your phone or computer can provide you. Jesus is better than the nauseating reality of your work that you yearn for with every ounce of you. Jesus is better than the anxious stress you bring into every relationship encounter with friends wondering, could there be the one anywhere, anywhere? Are you here? Jesus is better than the reality of the lack of money or the plenty of money. Jesus is better than the diploma and the title behind you. Jesus is better than the comfort and ease you seek. Jesus is better. The problem is we get drowned by the consumeristic, materialistic, relationship-focused reality around us that we forget that Jesus is actually better. And we think Jesus is just a part of. Jesus is just a, a piece of this. Jesus is just a portion of my life. Rather than stating that Jesus, you are all and everything, Jesus is better. The people in the book of Hebrews, there again, another book I believe Paul wrote. He begins with a really important reality that Jesus is better. I want you to look at that with me here in Hebrews chapter 1. It's not going to be on the screen. And so bust out your apps right now. Would you with Mermaid? Sorry, I mumbled through that one. I'm getting excited about this moment right now. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, God has spoken by his son, whom he appointed as heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, and he became much superior to the angels. He became more as the name and inheritance superior to all things. Here in Hebrews chapter 1, you begin to see Paul is trying to make sure the people of God there in he for this people, they need to know Jesus is better. Jesus is better than your laws, better than your prophets, better than the scripture you've been holding on to, that you've been yearning for. He's better than every desire you've ever imagined. One commentator on this, I, I have to read this to you. She writes this in, in an article blog called Jesus is Better by the Gospel Coalition. If you don't follow that, man, it's a really cool website. Melissa Kruger writes this. The writer of the book of Hebrews aims to convince his Jewish audience of one paramount truth. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels, better than the prophets, better than Moses. His priesthood is better than Aaron's. His new covenant is better than the old covenant they could never even fulfill. 
His blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats in every way and at every turn, Jesus is better. And now listen to this. It isn't that the treasures of the Jewish faith were in and of themselves detrimental. It's simply that they were insufficient. It isn't that your hope for a degree, a desire for a better car, a hope for a ring on your finger, a yearning for a moment in time when you don't have stress and bills and pain, a yearning for those things are not in and of themselves bad. They're just not enough. And they don't truly fulfill. She goes on, 2,000 years later, we share in our ancestors' propensity to miss the greater by clutching to the lesser. Our modern American culture daily entices us with temporal blessings as if they are superior to the riches found in Christ. Maybe we need a modern day apologetic to answer our culture's questions. Is Jesus better than material wealth? Is he better than relationships we yearn for? Is he better than our sexual freedom? Is he better than our comfort and ease? All these we may be called to sacrifice in order to follow the way of the cross. And at every turn, the Christian should be able to resound with joy. Jesus is better. Wow. That hit me at such a profound level when I read that and when I experienced that in my own soul, this yearning for what God doesn't really need for me, doesn't really want for me, or maybe is just not as great as himself. When you get lost in Christmas and get lost in the season, the presence, the smell of the great food, the amazing moment to spend with family, the joy you get to feel when break's beginning. Now get this, though. When you stop school, there's no more break, buddy. There's no spring break, no vacation break, no break unless you've got PTO or you're on salary and you got a week. So just be ready for that. But I want to offer you tonight as we conclude here three practices that I believe you really need in your life in order to remember that Jesus is better. Because it's so difficult in this life to remember that he is better. And so I want you to look at this with me. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on her son of her womb? Even a mother will forget, yet I will not forget you, to say as the Lord. Psalm 27.10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. God will not forget you, but will you forget him? Will you forget him in Christmas? Will you forget him in your striving at school and your career and your yearning in the car, at home alone, wherever you are? Will you, though, forget him? And so I want to help you remember that Jesus is better in these three ways, in these acts of remembrance in this holiday season. 
As Seventh-day Adventists, I think we're pretty good about the Sabbath. But I actually think we forget the reason for the Sabbath. The first way and act of remembrance is the Sabbath. And I want you to learn how to practice it. This may seem controversial to some of you, but I want to tell you some of you, and I find myself at times not practicing the Sabbath as I should, even as a pastor. Sometimes I find myself working so much, I forget my children and wife. I find myself on my phone even on the Sabbath. I find myself as a young man yearning to study because it might give me a little advantage to my peers. I don't know where you are and how you do Sabbath, but I'm telling you, some of us are doing it really wrong. Because God created the Sabbath, what does it say? Literally in the first word of the commandment, the fourth, Remember, remember me as your sustainer, provider, the God who gave, literally in Deuteronomy chapter five, when the commandments are given a second time, it literally points to the creation, the God who made all things. So I wanna encourage you to remember God in the Sabbath in a, in a better way than you've ever done before, to truly and genuinely rest deeply in Him might you consider a 24-hour period where, where your phone isn't still your God like it is six days of the week? Might you consider a day where you would put aside your schoolwork, your, your work for your profession? Would you consider a day when you might put away the striving mentally in your mind of the things that stress you? Might you consider engaging rather and plugging into a God who yearns to know you? and to feed you. And as he says, all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Might you reevaluate how you do Sabbath. Secondly, I wanna encourage you in this act of remembrance, this holiday season, to get serious about intentional prayer reminders. Intentional prayer reminders. How does that look like? Well. For me, I actually put an alarm on my phone. I have an alarm that goes off and it reminds me at 9.45 every night on the Bible app, the Lifeway Bible app that everyone has been downloaded over, I think almost a billion times. It's very common. You can set an alarm on there, it reminds you to pray. Last night, I was praying for something in our life, in our family's life. I was praying for breakthroughs. I named them, I wrote them in that prayer, and you can actually share those with people in your life that are you're around, and it's better than social media, it's scriptural media. And there, I prayed this prayer, and I moved on to the next thing, but when I pray that, other people who are connected to me as friends on the Bible app see that too. And last night, Denise actually prayed for our family for a breakthrough. It pops up, Denise prayed for this for you too. It meant so much to me to know that my moment of having an intentional moment also reminded someone else, hey, let me take a moment to bless someone else. Thank you, Denise. We needed that. Another way I do it is also by another app called One Minute Pause. I want you to download these things. The Bible app, One Minute Pause by John Eldridge. And it pauses just to have you reflect and hear him speak scripture into your life. You can choose if you want it for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes. It's beautiful. Just 
breathing and hearing the word spoken to you for a moment in a prayer. Intentional prayer reminders. Lastly, and the most excited I am right now for this as a Praxis community, a reminder to spend a year with Jesus in the Bible. As a community, I've challenged our elder team and our leadership, not only on Praxis leadership, but I actually presented this at the church board this last week. And everyone at the board raised their hand. They were given this chart, this incredible PDF opportunity where they could put it in their Bible or they could download the podcast and they could join us in being part of a year in the Bible with Praxis. I've just finished listening now. This is a different way I've done it before, but I've read through the Bible now at the end of this year eight times. This last year, I chose to do it via listening because our kids and just life got chaotic and I was like, let me hear the word. I want to challenge you to a journey with Jesus, not because reading the Bible is something you need to check off in your day. I've had a lot of unfortunate kind of works-based feelings with devotions, my time with Jesus in my life. And I became a lot more generous. If I missed a day, missed a week, I said, God, you know my heart's intention. And I'd get back to it. I'd jump back on the boat. As opposed to many times in my life as a young adult, I just, just had months of just wandering. People come up to me all the time and sit down with me in my office. Pastor, I just don't feel close to the Lord. I just ask him one question. Do you actually spend time with him? And then a blank stare emerges and a reality happens. Uh, is that required for feeling close to Jesus? Yeah, it is. Because it takes effort on our part. It has nothing to do with being saved or not saved. It's not about work salvation. It's literally just how much close do you want to be with God this year? Do you want to realize that Jesus is better or do you want to still be in that space of drowning that the world is giving? And so I have a screen up here. I want you to get on that QR code that's up here, a year in the Bible with Praxis. And I want you to download this moment. You can go on our bio at uh, Praxis Ministry, or you can go onto our website. You can do that there. You can download the PDF. You can subscribe to the podcast that'll read the scripture to you every day. I want you all to put out your phone and capture this QR code right now. I want to see you journey with Jesus. And some of you are like, Pastor, that's a lot. A whole year in the Bible, come on, that's way too much. Listen, be generous with yourselves. If you just wanna read through the New Testament in a whole year, you can do that. If you wanna just read through Proverbs and Psalms through the year, do that. Old Testament only, do that. But I want you to journey with Jesus intentionally through this year. And join us as a Praxis leadership on our Instagram does a Bible in the year, first week of the year, takeover every single day in our Praxis ministry Instagram. If you're not following us, please follow us. Be following good content in your life. We're going to be on there every single day, January 1, two times every day, and we're going to be sharing an encouragement of what we read in the Word. And so this year, these three different ways to remember Jesus, remember that He's better. First off, Sabbath differently and better. Secondly, set prayer intentional reminders. And thirdly, journey with Christ through the year with us. A way to remember that Jesus is better.
Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.